It's the best time to remind us of what the season's about. It's the best time to remind us of what God is doing, that he's called to work through us. And it might be a little bit of a stretch, but um, you never stretch in faith and not see great rewards for it. And so I want to encourage you to step out in that. All four of us uh, and our family, we're going to be given $37 each. So that way we can do this. Uh, we talk every year during Christmas. Um, the amount of money we're spending on our kids decreases every year because uh, we want to have an outward look um, during this season. Um, and, and focused on what God is doing. And so we always try to find projects that we can be a part of. And so we're going to be taking on this project as a family. And I want to encourage you to do everything you can because how awesome would it be uh, in one night to raise $11,000 and bring hope into a community? Because for them, it's not just like, hey, great, we've got another building. Like what a school represents for them is literally a future. And so we get a chance just to drop a future into their lives, drop hope into a community, and we get to be a part of that. And so I would love to encourage you to do everything you can. All of the money that's raised is going to it. None of it's coming to us. It's going straight to them. So let's jump in and have an awesome Christmas and bless that community, right? You're not excited about that either. I'm going to be judging you by the end of the night. But it's, it's good for us to focus on those things, isn't it? Even as we go through this season, uh, this sermon series that we're going through right now is, I've, I've titled it, What Is This All About? And it's a, it's, a, it's a question that we should be asking during the season. We've been going through um, an Advent study with our kids. And so uh, talking with our kids as we've been going over, you know, uh, since Thanksgiving, just, hey, what is this season about? Because if we get into a place where we're looking towards Christmas and we're just hoping uh, for the day of Christmas to come so we get the perfect presents so that we can be happy and full of joy. If you've ever had kids and watched them or for you or a kid or yourself, there's a few minutes of excitement. But then quickly you realize something you didn't get. You realize something that you got that wasn't quite as awesome as you thought it was. Or maybe you got something you're like, this is going to be awesome, and then it breaks, or you didn't have the right batteries, and you had to wait a whole another day because there's no store open. But there's a moment, right, where you're just like, I've got hope for this, I've got excitement for this, and then it comes, and then it goes. You know, if your kids are anything like my kids, they play for them for a couple days, and they're on for the next thing, counting down for their birthday for the next gift that they can have for two days, right? And so it's, you know, if, if, if we're living that way in our lives where during this season, uh, we're, we're just constantly looking at, Oh, well, I hope for this to come, and I hope that's the game changer. We're just going to be waiting for a long time. But if we live with a sense of God is here, God is present, and in him I already have everything that I need, and in him I have all reason for satisfaction and joy, and he's got more for me, it changes the game, doesn't it? It makes life just that much more fun to live. And so we've been walking through this season of Advent just helping our kids and helping us, Michelle and I, to remember um, what this is about. We're waiting during this season, this season of Christmas. It's not just a, well, I hope that day gets here. It's a season of waiting. That's what Advent reminds us is that Jesus came, that we were waiting for a hope. We were waiting for the Messiah, and Jesus came, and he is coming again, that there will be a time that he comes back and everything that is wrong, he will take and make it right, that we have a hope now and we have a hope forever. And that's what we are waiting for. We're waiting for a God who has come and who is to come again. That's what the season's about. But it's important for us, thank you, Serena. She's got her little foam finger she got at the Christmas party right now. So even if you guys are quiet, she's going to quietly hold that up. And I'm going to know that Serena's here with me, so that's awesome. 
So, but like if we, that's what the season's about is just to have this mindset and just to have this idea of I'm excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about where God is taking me and I can't wait to see all that he's going to do. And regardless of what life looks like, I know who he is and I know he's faithful and everything's going to work out. That's what this season's all about. That's what church is all about. And a lot of times we can get distracted and we can fall into a place where we don't uh, live that way or live with that understanding. And then our circumstances, they change and our attitudes change completely. We go from a place where everything's great to a place of, man, everything is horrible. Just because of a circumstance or because of a situation, uh, something as small as a flat tire in your car can just ruin your life or ruin your day, right? And it's in those moments that it's important for us to understand that there is something that we're living for. There's a reason for our life. There's a purpose for our life. As followers of Christ, we believe that our why in this life, what we're here for is to live for God's glory so that others can come to know him. That's what our why is. That's why we're here. That's why we worship. That's why we come together. It's because God is awesome. He's in control. He's powerful. He's sovereign. He's built all things. He's an awesome God who's done awesome things that we can't even begin to understand and fathom. And he's invited us into his plan. And in all that he's doing, he said, I want you to be a part and that's what he's done is brought us together in his eternal plans for his glory and so that we and others can know Christ and that's pretty exciting <laughs> see even if you guys aren't going to say something the speakers are yeah so right that's what we're here for that's our why and so what we're doing is we're going through for the next several weeks we're going to be walking through who are we as a church what are our core values and, and those things that shape and guide us? If we know what our why is, then our how starts to become a little bit more clear. If we understand that God has a purpose for us, he has a place for us, that he has a life for us to live, then we understand and we have faith that God's going to reveal to us how he wants us to live that life. He's revealed to us in scripture, ultimately how he wants us to live this life for his glory. But he's also uniquely, because he's created each and every one of us to be unique in his image, reflecting his glory. As different as you are, as different as I am, as different as this church is from another church, he's made us all who we are so that we all together collectively can say, this is who God is, right? Does that make sense? And so he begins to show us, this is how I want you to live. I want you to be a righteous person. I want you to focus on holiness. I want you to care about other people. I want you to love people more than you love yourself, but I want you to love me. Like, we understand those hows, but then distinctly who you are, he begins to reveal those things to you. This is how I want you to fulfill the mission I have for you. This is how I want you to live that out. So we're going to be walking through for the next several weeks on the house, how we are supposed to function, how we are supposed to walk this thing out so that if something happens that shakes us, if something happens that's unexpected, we don't run around like crazy people and start arguing and fighting. Have you ever been, no, I don't even ask about that. So, but, right? We don't want to be in those moments. We don't want to be in those situations. We want to be in a moment where something crazy happens, where it's all like, I, I, you got 90 days and to find another place for you to have church. That our response is, hey, that's all right. God's got something better out there for us, right? So there's things. Why do we respond that way as a church? Because there's things about us that God's uniquely called us to do and how he's called us to live out our faith in him that causes us and helps us to do that. 
And as we understand our why, our how becomes clear. And once you see your how, then the what we're supposed to do becomes crystal clear. The very specific things. How are, what are we supposed to be doing in our community? What are we supposed to be doing uh, internationally? What are we supposed to be doing across our state? The things that city life is going to do, the things that you are going to do in your life, they become crystal clear. So we have to understand our why and we have to understand our how. But a lot of times churches, a lot of times individuals, we get focused on our what. What am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? So we run around and we're so focused on our what and we don't know how we're supposed to do our what. And we don't know why we're supposed to do our what. And so we have no clue. We run around like confused people. Right? And so we need to get those things clarified so that we can understand how we're supposed to be doing this life so that our what is something that we want to be living for and doing. And we do that through our core values because they are essential to the strength of this church. They are motivational in nature, that in moments that we can say them to each other, and it motivates us to live with faith, it motivates us to live with purpose. They are to be direct, that they help direct our behavior, they help direct our culture. So in moments of correction, that we have guidelines, that we have principles that we're operating out of, not emotions, that we have something that keeps us on the path that we're supposed to be on. And so the first one that we've been talking about and looking into that I started last week in my introduction, because I only had 20 minutes, so it was just the introduction. But uh, is the first thing is, is to be an enthusiastic encourager. To be an enthusiastic encourager. It's so important for us to understand this. And I felt like, and the governance team and I felt like it is important to put this first. Because if you live your life with passion and excitement, people want to live life with you. If you live your life miserable and cranky, no one wants to live life with you. If you haven't figured that out, you're welcome. Turn that around and everything's going to be different for you. So if you be an enthusiastic encourager, then it's going to help you to live your life on purpose. And it's going to cause others to want to live their lives on purpose. So to be an enthusiastic encourager, I want quickly, we're going to go through this and get to the other points. But last week, we talked about the fact that we need to be excited for the church. We need to be excited for the church. We need to have enthusiasm for the mission of the church. In Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18, it's super crystal clear in that, I love this, that Jesus came to build the church. Jesus came to start the church. Jesus' plan A was to work out all that he's been doing from eternity's past till the very end when he turns again. It has been that he would work it out through his church. As long as things have been going on, he's picked a person, and that person turned into a group, and then that group turned into a nation, and that nation turned into a church. God wants to work through his people because he's invited us to be a part of his eternal plans. And I don't know about you, but that gets me pretty excited. That gets me pretty pumped up to be like, I'm not just supposed to be here sucking oxygen for the fun of it. But I'm here because the guy who spoke the stars into the existence, the guy who created the ocean and all the things within it that we're still discovering, that we have not even fully discovered and explored yet, the God who created all of those things and knows the depths of those things, knows the depths of me and has invited me into his plans. Man, that gets me excited. 
That gets me pumped up that when we come together on Saturday nights, it's not just so that we can say we did something good. It's not just so that we can say I'm a good person because I went to church and then mask all of the other six days of our life. We come together in church so that we can say I'm a part of what he's doing and he's the one that's directing me and what I'm doing. And when I come together and I say look at God in my life that I help others to say whoa God is real. And then they're living their life in purpose and then they say wow that was a lot of spit. Then they say look at God in my life. Look at God in my life. And then all of a sudden, we got a bunch of people just running around saying, look at God. And we're discovering our purposes, and people are coming to know him. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what we're supposed to do. And so we've got to be excited for the mission of church. That's what the mission of the church is. It's not to come and sing some songs and collect some offerings and do some life groups and call it good. No, the mission of the church is to be a light in this world, to shine brightly, that when the rest of the world says it's falling apart and there's no reason for hope and I'm discouraged and I'm just going to run to something else to help me feel better in the moment, that they look to the church and they say, but... I see people that have hope, but I see people that have purpose, but I see people that forgive and love when they, when they shouldn't love, that they care for those that nobody else is willing to care. That's what the church is supposed to be, an outward example of God's grace and mercy in life. That's the mission of the church, and that's what he's called us to do. And that's pretty awesome stuff, right? You're somewhat excited about that. So we should be enthusiastic about the mission of the church. And should we, we should be enthusiastic for the people of the church. I love in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, 15. I've got this right above that point on your notes. But Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, rather speaking the truth in love. Man, so many times the church is known for speaking the truth. But we forget the in love part. We're supposed to speak truth to each other, to encourage each other. Say, hey, that's not what's best for you. That's not what's best for your kids. That's not what's best for your marriage. But I'm going to speak it to you in love. And that means that sometimes you know what's best, and you just do life with them without saying anything for a while. Because they need to build trust in you. Sometimes it's just coming to somebody, and it's not just pointing out all of their faults, but it's pointing out all that God is doing in them, and it's pointing out all that they're strong in and all that they're able in. It's to build them up, and as you build them up, then all of a sudden God just reveals to them the truth of what needs to change. Right? So we speak truth in love. Why do we speak truth in love? Because we are to grow up in every way. I love that. In every way, not just in our actions, not just in our thoughts, not just in our words, but in every way, every aspect of your life, all of who you are is to grow up to what? To grow up into him who is the head, into Christ. We are to be like Jesus. In the 90s, we would be like Mike. Mike is awesome, but he pales in comparison to Jesus. We're to be like Christ. We're to live the life of Christ, to have the influence of Christ in this world, to display the hope of Christ through our lives, that we are to grow in all things. And how do we do that? By speaking truth to each other in love. So what does that mean? you got to have people around you. 
you got to have people around you. It goes on to verse 16. From whom the, the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You can't read that verse and think that you can do life on your own. I talk to so many people that have so many issues with the church, and they have so many issues with God, and it's because they're trying to do life on their own. You weren't built to do life on your own, and you can't do it on your own. It's the purpose of the church is that you find, are there unhealthy churches? Absolutely. Are there churches that can destroy people instead of build people up? Absolutely. Should we just give up on the whole thing? Absolutely not. There are churches, and I believe even in those churches, that God is in control, and there's a hope for them, and there's a hope for us, that when we come together around Jesus Christ, that he has a purpose in us that's bigger than we can imagine, and when we come together as a church and lift up his name and worship like we did tonight, like we lift up his name right now in the word tonight, as we give together, as we serve together, as we love together, as we eat together, yes, as we go out and do life together, then God is glorified, he's exalted, and guess what? We grow. And you can't do that on your own. You can't do it on your own. So you got to be enthusiastic for the mission of the church, and you got to be enthusiastic about the people of the church. That means not just looking at them at the corner of your eye and saying, well, let's just check out that church and see if everything works out there. I don't know about those people. Like, we should be enthusiastic. God, he's doing something through his church. Find a church that you can just be passionate and excited about and jump in. And then the people that are there, whether you like them or not, think they're awesome or not, who cares? If you feel God's called you to be in that church, get connected to those people because they have a gift that you need to grow into Christ. And you have a gift that they need. We've got to be passionate about that. We've got to let that push everything else to the side. And say, I don't know if I like this. I don't know if I like the music. And I don't know if I like the way that guy preaches and he spits a lot and his head glows and all of those lights. I don't know if I can handle that. Hey, maybe you're not supposed to be here. Go find somewhere else. But maybe you are. Maybe you can hang out with us and maybe God's got something for you as you jump into this place. And maybe through you being here and giving yourself completely, worshiping him in every way, living for him in every way, maybe in that we as a church we get to grow and we get to discover who we are in Christ. That should get us pumped up, right? I mean, like, come on, that should get us excited that when we come to church, that we should walk into this place saying God has a purpose for this. When you go to a life group, if you're not in a life group, get in one. You should walk into that life group. God has a purpose for this. When you're going through a situation and all of a sudden a person that you go to church with pops into your head, you get to call them and say, God has a purpose for them in my life, right? You're starting to get excited. It's all right. So listen, we need to be an encourager. We need to be encouragers of each other. Today, uh, Braden and I, we got to run a 5K today. This is my first 5K. So I ran uh, in a timed race with other people today uh, for the first time as a 36-year-old man. And uh, so uh, we went out there and uh, ran the race. And 
And uh, we've been training and, and trying to get ready for it. Braden, man, he's awesome. Like, that dude's built for running. He's, you know, he's 11 years old, getting ready to turn 12 this summer. And he just loves to run. And, like, he can just run and talk as much as he talks sitting still as he does running, you know. And so he had this whole theory we were talking about the other day. And it was, like, mile two. And I'm like, just shut up. <laughs> and I'm just like, so he's just going through. And it's just, like, he's just awesome about it. So we got to run this 5K today. And so we're running. And, like, I kid you not, like, so we get to the start sign. Like, okay, so if this is the starting point right here, and we start, by the time I get to the end of the stage, Braden's already starting to leave me, and then he kind of slows down. It's like, dude, you just keep running. He's like, okay. <laughs> and so I told somebody today, I told Matt today, I was like, he beat me by five minutes. He's like, no, nah, I beat you by six. And I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> he beat me by six minutes. But so we were out there. So one of the things that was the best about this race, and I just kept laughing so hard, is, is so it was a race. For, um, it was at the Centera, it was a sleigh bell. So one of the main focuses of this race is to raise money for the public schools in Williamsburg, James City County Schools, to be able to offer these running clubs free of charge to the public schools. So kids can go there and find a passion for running, to have something to do, they get some exercise. It's an awesome program. Braden's been doing it um, ever since the third grade, and so he's just loving it. He's having a ton of fun, and this is where he discovered his passion for running. So we're out there doing it, but that means there's a lot of kids and Brendan wanted me to start with him. And so I think I could have gone a little faster, but I was like literally like dodging kids for the first half a mile. You know, you're just like this and you're just kind of running like that. And so just doing that, I plowed a girl over because she was just literally just running. And then she's just like, tree. And I'm like, bam, <laughs> sorry. You know, <laughs> and just like, and so, so we're out there. So I'm just running and trying to keep my pace. And I've got a goal that I want to hit. And so I'm just trying to do the best that I can. And, and so I'm out there. And so at one point, I passed this guy. He was awesome. I'm not making fun of him at all, I promise you. But he's this awesome guy. He's got to at least be in his 70s, you know. And he's out there, and he's, he's out there running. He's got these giant bells on his shoes. And so I could hear him just, ching, 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 ching. He's just running, you know. So I pass him, and then I get to this point, and I'm just like, okay. I need to walk for a minute. So I'm just sitting there walking, and I'm trying to catch my breath, and I'm sitting there, and I hear cha-ching, 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 getting closer, and I'm like, he's not beating me. <laughs> so, so I just run, right? I just keep running, and then I get to a point, and I'm like, okay, I need to walk a little bit. Then all of a sudden, I hear cha-ching, 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 because the guy's 70, and his pace was on point. I mean, he's just like, he's just as smooth, and like, I mean, he's not, he's just, this is what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to make it happen, you know? And so I hear I get a little cha-ching, 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 and I'm tired. I'm like, uh-uh, he's not beating me. <laughs> and so I just run. He was encouraged me in an odd way, right, all throughout the race. Like, I just had something to constantly remind me, you can do more, you can do this thing, right? You're 36, you're pretty healthy, don't quit, he's got it, you got it, let's do this thing together, right? We need people in our life that are encouraging us. We need people that are walking through life, they're building us up and pointing us forward. But I want you to hear tonight that oftentimes we're waiting for that person to arrive. What happens for you is when you trust God to bring that person into your life by stepping out to be the encourager that someone else needs, then God begins to work in your life. And then he begins to bring those people into your life to help you out. So we've got to be an encourager. You're enthusiastic about the mission of the church. You're enthusiastic about the people of the church. And you fulfill that, you focus on that by being an encourager. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. 
So, most translations say, therefore, encourage each other and build each other up. Jesus came and Jesus died. And he came and gave us life so that what? Together we can encourage each other and build each other up. You're a child of God. He's got his hand on you. You're a daughter of the Most High. He has a plan for you and he has a purpose for you. You're a man of God. You're a son of God. You're a king amongst kings. He loves you and has a plan and a purpose for you. Maybe you don't talk to people that way. But that's our heart, that's our passion, that's a belief that God sees us, that God's identified us, that God's called us, that God has fought for us, that God has brought us into his kingdom, and that we all have a plan and purpose so that we live our lives in the purpose of Christ by encouraging each other in that hope and building each other up. We need to be encouragers in this church. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belongs to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful that God has put that person in your life to encourage them even though you don't want to. Right? Be thankful that God has placed you where he's placed you because it's in that place that God's going to do something in you. That he's going to reveal who you are and who he wants you to grow into Christ to be. The people that he's put you next to, be thankful for it. Be passionate about it. Be excited about it. Encourage those that you are around because you know what? They're going to do the same for you. And the more we encourage each other, the more we build each other up, guess what? The more we are going to be in the center of what God's doing. And that's where I want to be. Right? That's where I want to be. So here's a couple things real quick, a couple things. So what do we need to be aware of? What do we need to be aware of? The first thing is this, is that language and attitude matter. Language and attitude matter. So I'm implementing something here at this campus for the first time. Ready? This is, this is a new rule here at Wadensburg. If you want to call it a rule, this is a new code if you don't like rules, Right? Kind of like me, I didn't like rules, and I still don't like rules. So here's what we're going to do. This is an anti-complaining zone. Anti-complaining zone. If you're a complainer, you're going to learn how to not complain. All right? If you don't realize you're a complainer, you're going to start discovering that you're a complainer. So that you can stop complaining. Right? Be an, I want this to be an anti-complaining zone. Listen to this in Numbers chapter 11, verse 1. Soon the people began to complain. Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. And the Lord, this is, they're out in the desert. God had just delivered them from Egypt where they were slaves and being oppressed. He delivered them miraculously through all of these signs that nations saw. That when the rest of Egypt was in darkness, they were in light. When the rest of the, the, uh, Egypt was in plague, they were fine. They saw all of these things happen. Then God frees them. They walk out. They walk on dry land through a sea. They watch their enemy get engulfed by the sea. They're walking around in the desert. And as they're walking around, they're like, maybe it was better in Egypt. And it's easy for us to judge them, but you know that we do the same thing. Because that's our nature. That's just what we do. So we get into a hard place, and what do we do? We start to complain about our hardships. And the Lord heard everything they said. Man, he's listening. He's attentive. He's aware. He heard everything they said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them, and he sent a fire to rage among them. Thank you, Jesus, that we're in a new covenant. And he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help. 
That's how we do it, right? (laughs) 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 Then the people screamed to Moses for help, and when he prayed to the Lord, that's going to be really awkward to listen to on a podcast, the fire stopped. After that, the area was known as Tibera, which means the place of burning. Because the fire from the Lord had burned among them there. Then, listen to this, then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. Be careful of who you're traveling with. Be careful of the voice that they have in your life. Be careful to understand the things that they're valuing and encouraging you to value. Be careful. They were craving the things of Egypt, and the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat. I mean, I get it, right? I did a Daniel's fast a couple of times. Man, right? I get it. I understand. You go through some hard stuff. Man, you want something so bad. Man, if this could just happen. But we've got to control our message. We've got to control our heart. We've got to control what we're focused on. We've got to control how we interact with others. We've got to control all that. And it starts with controlling this little piece of flat muscle, whatever it is, inside of your mouth. We've got to control that thing. We begin to complain, and it drifts us away from the purposes and plans that God has for us. I get it that some people in your life might not be perfect. I get it that your pastor is not perfect. Trust me. I understand how imperfect I am. And my wife helps me to remember all of the rest. And I've got a lot of friends and team that helps me point out all of those things as well. I'm not perfect. You've been in churches where the pastor is not perfect. But God is doing something in us. And if we all come together and say, I want what Jesus has for me. I want this life that he has for me. And I believe that he's working things out through his church, which is us together. And I want to see that come. I want that here now in this place. Not off in the distance, but I want it now for here. And we encourage each other to hope for that, to look for that, to work for that. Then God begins to work things out in us. But we've got to be careful to not be complainers when the hard things come. We've got to be careful to not speak against the things that God might be wanting to use to shape us and develop character in us. Right? We've got to be focused on him and committed to who he is. And so we have an anti-complaining zone. If you start complaining when we're talking to you, I'm just going to turn around and walk away. If I start complaining, I hope you do the same thing for me. Philippians chapter 2 verse 14, it says, do everything without what? And... Come on, what is the church known for? What is the church known for? Be honest. What is the church known for? Be honest. Complaining and arguing, right? Being a bunch of disgruntled, miserable people. What is the church supposed to be known for? Hope and joy, right? And peace and love and joy, right? I said joy twice because it's just that good, right? Like that's what we're supposed to be known for. So how do we stay on what God has for us? How do we stay focused on our why and accomplish our want? By being an enthusiastic encourager. And the first way to keep us from being that is by complaining. So we cannot be complainers. And secondly, we have now a zero grouch tolerance. Zero grouch tolerance. If you want to be a grouch, you can be a grouch. Just don't let anybody see it. Sometimes you just got to sit there and you got to say, do it. Then get over it. Stop complaining and turn your attitude around. 
Because you don't know what God has for you in that moment. And you can look at it with just frustration and discouragement, but it could be the thing that God needs to do in you, or it could be that he's wanting to use you to encourage somebody else in that space. And you've got to be able to step into that. But when we constantly walk around complaining and we constantly walk around just grouchy and disgruntled, we're never going to be the people that he wants us to be. And we're never going to be able to live this life of hope pointing people to Jesus because all we're going to do is turn people off. And we've got to stop that and turn that around. James chapter 5 verse 9, don't grumble about each other. Gosh, that's a painful verse. Don't grumble about each other. Brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. Huh? Right? For look, the judge is standing at the door. Jesus has come. Jesus has revealed his kingdom. Jesus has revealed his plan. Jesus has revealed his purposes. Jesus is waiting to come back. He's wanting to work in us and through us. And he's waiting for the right time to return. He's watching. He's keeping eyes. And he's saying, I know what I have for you. I know what I want for you. I know what I have for them. And I know what I want for them. And I want to do it through you. Come on. Let's say, I'm ready for it, Jesus. I'm here. I want to be an encourager. I want to point people to it, and I'm not going to grumble about my brothers and sisters. I'm not going to grumble about the church and the neighborhood or the town over or in Texas where I don't even go to and I've never even talked to the pastor. Let's build the church up with our words. Let's encourage each other. Let's encourage the church. And I want you to know, I'm not just preaching at you, I'm preaching at me, right? This is something we've got to do. We can't be grouches. We can't grumble. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Here's another fun verse. Ready? So stop telling lies. Let, all, let us tell our neighbors the truth. <laughs> right? Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. You know what the truth is? You're in need of Jesus. You know how I know you're in the need of Jesus? Because I need him twice as much as you do. <laughs> right? Stop telling lies. You're not perfect, and they're not perfect. This church isn't perfect, and no other church you go to is going to be perfect. Don't act like it is. Don't act like you are. Don't act like they are. Don't act like somebody's above you or beneath you. They are a child of God. You are a child of God. And if he's put you together, you focus on Jesus together. Stop talking about anything else and expecting anything else from that relationship. I don't care who you are, how much money they have, how much you don't have, how much you have, what car you drive, if you have hair or don't hair. I don't care. Me and Daniel look awesome bald. We focus on Jesus and we look to him. We stop telling lies of who we are or what we think they should do or how they should act or any of those things. And we focus on him. We tell him the truth that we both need Jesus together. And what do we do? We don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. The foul and abusive language. I saw that phone hand. The foul and abusive language. It's not just going around if you don't say certain words. What it's saying is, is are your words destroying people and destroying their view of the kingdom of God? Or are your words building them up and pointing them to the kingdom of God? So how does this impact our culture? How does this impact our culture? We want to be a church that is known for friendliness. We want to be a church that is known for friendliness. John chapter 13, verse 34. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. 
your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus goes on again in John chapter 17, and that is his prayer for the church, that he would be known and that his life would be known because of our love for each other. That's Jesus' prayer. We want to be a church that is full of people that celebrate one another. Romans chapter, I'm going to read this real quick. Romans chapter, worship team, you guys go ahead and come up. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 through 16. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. Laugh with your happy friends when they're happy. I mean, have you ever been in those moments where you're just hanging out with people and they're just so happy about what God's doing in their life that you just get happy and just passionate about the things of God? If you haven't, step into those moments. If you haven't, because you don't have those people, find those people. There's some people in this church that are awesome, and God is doing some awesome things in their life. Hang out with them. Go to dinner with them after church tonight. Hang out with them on Sunday when everybody else is doing something. Go ahead and hang out. Go to the park. Focus on God and laugh together. Have fun together. And then it goes on, and share tears when they're down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. I love it. This is the message translation. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies and don't be the great somebody. So good. We want to be a church that's known for its friendliness. We need to be focused on who God is and what he's doing in our presence. We understand our why is here to glorify God and point people to God. We're going to do that best if we're a church that is full of enthusiastic encouragers. I see God in your life. I see what God wants to do in your life. Let's do this thing together. Laugh together. Walk through sorrow together, holding your hope in Christ. One of the things I want us to do is, is I want to remind us, this is something we do on a regular basis. We do this in January, but I want us to start doing it more, is that we need to step into a place where we share stories of what God's doing. If you take, go ahead, and I want you to do this in a moment of uh, participation here. Reach in the seat back in front of you. Reach in the seat back in front of you and find one of those next step cards. You can do it right now, right now, right now. Like, move, yeah. All right, that next step card, if you flip it on the back, flip it on the back, you'll see a box that you can check that says prayer request, or you see a box that check, and you'll say, this is what God's done in my life. And then there's a bunch of lines. I want us as a church to start sharing the things that God's doing in our lives. I want you to live a life so full on of who God is in his presence in your life that you can't wait to get here on Saturday to write a story, to drop it in the offering so that we can share it here in the midst of this service. I want you to just not say, I can't even wait until Saturday and you're texting people and you're Facebooking people and you're Instagramming people and you're Snapchatting people because you're just like, look what God is doing in my life. You will be an enthusiastic encourager when you're walking through your life and you're saying, look what God did, look what God did, look what God did. You think it's going to be boasting, but it's not boasting. It's saying, here's what God's doing, here's what God's doing, here's what God's doing. And if you do that, I'm telling you, people are going to say, I want to be around them. There's something happening in their life. I want to be around them because they like themselves and they like this world and they like other people and they like Jesus. I want to be around that person. And then you're going to be able to help them to become like that. So you've got to share your stories, and I want us as a church to share our stories of what God is doing. Because we want to be a church that is full of moments celebrating the faithfulness of God.
So I want us in our services, I want us in our life groups, I want us in our individual lives to be quick to say, look what God's doing. I want us to be enthusiastic. He's not just doing it by happenstance. It's not just all of a sudden, randomly, all of a sudden the universe decided to work for me and something just happened to work out. No, it's God. He's active. He knows who I am. He knows where I'm at. He knows what I need. And he knows where I'm going. And look what he made happen in my life. That's who he is. And he's put me with a group of people to help me see that when I can't see it clearly and to help them see it when they can't see it clearly. That's what we're here for, is to encourage each other, to build each other up so that we could be like Jesus. That's what he's called us to do and that's what he's gifted us to do. So let's do it. Let's be excited about it. So let's stop complaining. Let's stop being grouches and let's be passionate about what God is doing in the church and through the church, which happens to be you and me here at City Life. Let's chase after him and let's trust him for who he is. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trusted him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, I thank you that we are able to have peace and joy and hope in this world because of who you are and what you've called us to do, that you've invited us, you've asked us to, and you've given us the way, you've given us the strength, you've given us the desire to step into your plans for us. God, that you've withheld nothing for us. And as much as we've understood and as much as we've seen and as much as we've discovered, there is more that you have for us there is more than we can even imagine or ask, and it's discovered by being in your church. So, God, we thank you. God, we pray, Lord, that you give us a passion and excitement to each see your working in each of our lives, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to grow into Jesus. Help us to not complain. Help us to not be a bunch of grouches. God, help us to be people that want to encourage each other. God, help us to spur each other and to encourage each other in good works. Help us to celebrate all that you're doing. Be focused on you. And if there's any of us in this room that does not have a relationship with you, that doesn't have the hope of Christ, that doesn't have the excitement of a future in him or a future today, a, a hold of a sense of you're present today, Father, I pray in this moment they hear your voice loud and clearly. They hear your Holy Spirit right now pulling on their hearts, dragging them and calling them as your son, as your daughter. Lord, that they will stand as we begin to sing this song and say, I believe and I'm going to live for you. In your name, may it be so. Amen and amen.